ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian and a relationship therapist discuss all of the modern issues from a male and female perspective. We talk about dating, we talk about sex differences, we talk about what's appropriate and inappropriate in this ever-changing world. And today we're going to be talking about fertility rates. They are plummeting. The birth rate in not just Western nations, all across the world is plummeting. Some would say that's a good thing, considering we have billions upon billions of people populating the world and polluting it and putting plastic into the ocean. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, uh, maybe good, maybe bad. We'll discuss that. But before we get to that, this podcast is proudly sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics have a amazing range of CBD oil products. I really like their platinum oil. Every night I use it. Helps me sleep like a baby. And I really mean that. I sleep like a baby. I live next to a highway. I never get woken up by the cars. Nothing. All right. If you struggle with anxiety, stress, or if you just want to relax, if you just want to chill out, Crush Organics. Crush with a K. Uh, they also have CBD oil products for pets. They have gummies. They have bath bombs. If oh. I had a bathtub, I'd use the bath bomb, but I don't. But I did not know about the bath bomb. Yeah. So uh, I get love on, Oh my gosh, I'm so get excited. On it. Crush what Organics. It? Use the code Neil for forty percent off. That's crushorganics.com with a K. Use the code Neil for forty percent off. Alrighty, Eliza, how you doing? I'm doing well. I've had a pretty lazy day today, so I'm feeling nice. sleepy and good. How are you? What have you been yeah, up to? I'm good. I uh I've had a pretty productive day so far. Uh, reading about philosophy in the morning, <laughs> and then I went for a workout. It's oh my god! Such a oh my god! That's exactly what I would do. Uh, such a classic Neil day. <laughs> you and I had the most polar opposite days. I got up, did a painting, took a nap at eleven thirty. <laughs> oh, and jealous. then watched like three hours of. I'm obsessed with this show called Sixty Days In. Have you heard of it? Where they send no. they send like undercover people into prisons as um as prisoners um oh, and they do cool. it to like they go in for two months and so they do it to get all the um info and find out how the drugs are getting in and then they tell the prisoners like oh we're just putting up these cameras for this and that so they have no idea that they're even like making a tv show out of it it's so crazy and then some wow. of the people that go on the experiment like get too involved and they're like i'm not snitching like <laughs> let me stay <laughs> What it's is crazy. it on Netflix? It's on Stan. There's only a couple oh, Stan, seasons. And the on one Stan. I don't have. I've got all the others. I can give you my login. Oh, perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, it's that so sounds good. like a really interesting show. Yeah. Uh, any shows that deal with social psychology, I'm very interested. I love Survivor. I know they manipulate yes. the editing, but I really love it. Um, and Naked like and Afraid. The reality. Best of the best. Okay, I haven't tried that one. I like all the reality shows. Uh, I've started watching the third season of You. Oh, yeah, same. I, how much further can they go? With it? I feel like after <laughs> the third season, that's enough, you know? Stop how it, How realistic is it that these guys have just left a trail of bodies across the United States <laughs> and no one's found them, you know? Don't give anything away. <laughs> how far into the third season are you? Only two or three episodes. I'm watching yeah, it when my, uh, when my girlfriend comes over and uh, it's once a week. So uh, I'm not too far into it yet. Uh, but, yeah, they really are... Yeah, the the, uh, f the first season I actually had a lot more empathy, weirdly enough, for the guy. Yeah, 
But now I'm like, nah, you just are a maniac. I actually love though when your perception of like a main character changes over time and you no longer like them as much. It makes it a little bit more, you know, juicy. I love it. I like it though when there's someone that you can like in the show. You have so, to align with someone, yeah. Yeah, in um, Breaking Bad, that's what happened with Walt. Uh, you, you, first you liked him and then eventually you stopped liking him, but then you started liking, was it Jesse, the second guy? I've forgotten his name. It was a few years ago since I watched it, but uh, there's, you, there's always someone that you kind of like. You, you yeah. like Walt's son, you like uh, his brother. There's all yeah. sorts of empty. Uh, you know, empathy-driven characters there, whereas this third season so far, I'm just like, nah. Mm-hmm. It's a bit unreal. I mean, of, of course it's unrealistic, but the, the fact that he's... They're clearly making him into a, you know, stereotypical... The the guy who uh, is always, you know, acting as though, like, he, he's only acting badly because uh, someone else has made him do it or because he's, yeah. you know, he feels pressure to yeah. do it. And I feel like they're spelling it out too much now. I like yeah. when it was subtle. It's like I don't repetitive, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't like shows where they just sort of spell it out. Look, I'll stick to it. I'll, I'll finish it. But Yeah, uh, finish it because I'm the same. I've only gone a few episodes in, but I got told the other day that it's well worth to watch the rest of it and it's everyone's, well, some people's favorite season. So it gets better. Okay. Apparently. Okay. We'll touch base next yeah. podcast and review. Yes, yes. And then the last thing I'll say is that new character, the... Uh, the matriarch who's around and being really bitchy to uh, love. Oh, yeah. She's uh, terrible. I don't like but it. Again, it's so cliche. It's like yeah. it's some kind of teen movie where they yeah. found the, the bitchy high school girl and just made her 20 years older. You know, there's That's no my complexity to the character. I she's wanna, not, I she's overacting it. I think. Exactly. Yeah. It, was, it was like some 15-year-old wrote that character, you know? It's, Maybe they did. Yeah. I, I don't know. I really liked the first season and, and then... Yeah, second season was still... It's one of those shows where I think it's not the sort of show that can continue on at that quality for multiple seasons. But let's see if I'm proven wrong. Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about fertility rates. Uh, So this is actually, Eliza, you you decided to to do this topic and I uh, have listened to most of an audio book called Countdown by uh, uh, a lady who was actually recently on quite a lot of the podcasts I listened to. She's on, I think, Trigonometry. She was on... uh, Joe Rogan, and mm. her book just details the, well, the apocalypse that is occurring in regards to sperm counts and testosterone levels in men, but also uh, abnormalities in, in the sperm itself. Mm. And also similarly with females, the uh, just the pronounced increase in issues like endometriosis, early onset puberty, uh so many more fertility issues. She, she was she was noting how, at the turn of the tw- the nineteenth and twentieth century, uh, the average Dutch woman at age thirty five was more fertile than uh, a woman in her early twenties today. Shit, that's crazy. Yeah, so something's yeah. clearly happening, and well, there's yeah. so many factors at play. She talks about one the, the chemicals in our food. But lifestyle factors, we're very sedentary. Uh, Also, gender fluidity plays into it as well. Uh, Just anxiety rates, depression, mental illness, uh, pollutants in the air. Microplastics. Microplastics is a big one. Uh, Also, when uh, a woman is pregnant, 
her lifestyle choices then can have a long lasting impact on the if it's a male the the uh the sperm count when he's 20 based on what happened during the pregnancy and then i even was reading a chapter that was saying uh if a woman is pregnant and 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 during the pregnancy experiences a very pronounced bout of of stress a long period of stress it can really hinder and impact the well-being of the child up to the age of yeah in their their whole life yeah yeah uh so is this something that we've just completely forgotten about as a society in pursuit Mm -hmm. of uh, equality Mm -hmm. uh have we sort of just forgotten about the importance of well you know the health of a fetus and and babies and the appropriate and, and the healthiest age to have babies and there's a lot of questions. So, Eliza, let's. Uh, what made you want to talk about this and what do you think about it? I can't remember what the instigator was for thinking, oh, we need to. I think it was actually when we were talking about um, like women in the workplace. And I was bringing up that stat about how 50% of women that are like high earners, which was, I think, above 80K or above 70K, something like that, don't have children. Um, whereas only. 19% of men who are high earners don't have children. So why is there a delay because women are in work? But then when looking into it, there's a such, like you mentioned, there's a million factors as to the actual reasons for decrease in fertility. Um, and some of that is societal and some of that is, you know, biological. And you kind of need to have that biopsychosocial approach to understanding what is happening here. So I know that we need, in order to maintain um, our population every woman needs to have you know 2.1 babies so you know most women need to have two and a couple people need to have three kind of thing um whereas currently in in 2019 the rates were the lowest record low of 1.66 um and is this in australia in australia babies Mm. per women and now in 2021 two years later it's gone well below that as well to 1.59. And then a further increase will come out from next year as well because of COVID, there was such the highest abortion rates ever happened during the pandemic and the lowest fertility rates ever, even just across um, like 25 countries or something. So pretty Hmm. understandable, I guess. Like There might be a baby boom after this is all over. Well, is this ever going to be over? Who knows? Well, yeah, there's that. But also people are saying that there's not going to be a baby boom because what happened during the pandemic is people were realizing I could barely survive on my own on a single or on a single income or whatever. Like, um, how am I supposed to raise a child? And a lot of it is about the disadvantages of young people these days is that they can't secure housing, you know, secure these long-term um, financial stabilities they need in order to have a baby. So most people are like, well, I'll wait till I am settled down before mm. I try for a baby, but they don't even get ever to that point where they feel settled down. Like I remember I read, it was ages yep. ago and I don't know how like statistically accurate it was, but it was saying if you're 25 um, in Australia and you have $5,000 in savings, you're ahead of like 60% of other Australians your age. So something like that. And Gosh. it just, the, how can, at 25 is, you know, well, your peak fertility age or even past it for women. So that's pretty yeah, crazy. That's, that's remarkable. I wonder though if that takes into account things like hex debt 
Yeah. Because then, yeah. you know, 25, you'd be hard to have paid all of that off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the thing I found very interesting that, uh, and her name's Shana Swan. Um, yeah, the book's called Countdown. Mm. Uh, this isn't just happening in Western countries. The drop in fertility rate and in male sperm counts is a global phenomenon. And that surprised me because I thought, well, it's the West that's transformed the most over the last 50, 60 years, sedentary lifestyle, diet. But then when you actually think about it, well, hang on a minute. Now a lot of countries across the globe, McDonald's is everywhere. Uh, Processed food is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's there's so many. Okay, let's, let's go through each of those things you said. So there's... There are economic factors, particularly in the Western country. There are, I suppose, sociological factors, uh, a ch- change in the, the way we perceive the role of women and the need for families and things like that. There are environmental factors, uh, which mainly have to do with um, the chemicals that we're being exposed to and the sort of modern lifestyle that we're living. But then also we, we can talk about lifestyle factors. So let's first go into economic factors yeah. Uh, yes, the, all, the, all the trends show that uh, even though there are consumer goods that are a lot cheaper for us compared to even our parents, you know, the, the price of an iPhone has, well, the price of electronic goods and the price of uh, other consumer goods like that, clothes and things like that has decreased. But mm-hmm. the average price of a house and the mm-hmm. cost of living and mm-hmm. the average, uh, you know, the real wage rate taking into account uh, inflation, mm-hmm. those major factors have gotten worse for our generation compared to our parents' generation. If you then go to grandparents and great-grandparents, we're still relatively better off. Yeah. But um, they do a calculation where they find the average house price and then they compare that to the average salary. And in Australia, and, uh, and as far as I'm aware, in almost all Western countries, uh, it's, it's far less affordable to uh, yeah. purchase a house yeah. and that's a huge you, look if tvs are cheap that's not really gonna impact your uh choice of having a family but if houses are expensive that will impact whether or not you want to have uh children now there's nothing wrong with with renting there's plenty of really good parents who rent and you can still have an amazing family if you're renting but there's just a certain sense of economic security that does come with uh, owning a house or having a mm-hmm. having a loan, and yeah, that does uh, that does affect uh, prospective parents' uh, choice, and mm. uh, yeah, the the cost of degrees and higher education and the general cost of living, rent prices as well. Uh, these things have all increased, and all of this sort of burdens young prospective parents Mm. and does throw a spanner in the works and and can potentially make it harder uh, to start a family. Exactly. And I also read that one of the reasons it's considered, I guess, a crisis is because one, apparently the fertility rates is irreversible. Like the amount of time it would take to get back up to 2.1 babies per women will never happen in our lifetimes or our children's lifetime, things like that. Um, And I also read that if we continue on, you know, if we stayed as we are without even further reducing it, that by 
in 80 years exactly we will have 50 percent less population in 25 countries apparently um so or your fertility rates will drop sorry not less population the fertility rates will drop a further 48 percent in china for example um and therefore the population uh, i don't know mm. if i've said this stat correctly but something quite crazy like that and in australia it's a big issue as well as everywhere else because less babies equals fewer taxpayers um to cover the cost of public services and then which is why apparently i found out today we, we bring immigrants into australia is yeah, the yeah. reason of that is actually to to counter, you know, to fight the fact that we aren't having babies anymore and bringing more Australians in, so they bring other people in to pay the tax money. It's pretty, mm. pretty insane. Um, but one of the other things, I guess, in terms of costs, is the actual costs of babies. And I remember like learning in high school, so ten years ago, um, I was in year twelve and learning then that you know it costs two hundred thousand dollars to raise a baby from zero to 18 so imagine what that's like now and then i was looking up childcare fees and i saw that in australia the average cost of childcare is between 70 and 188 dollars a day and in sydney the average cost of childcare is 167 dollars a day for one child so each year is that's $40,000. And then I was like, mm. okay, well, hang on, there's childcare subsidies. So then, you know, I put in, um, if I earn this amount of money and I have one child in childcare this many days, or whatever, how much money can I get back? I can get back like, you know, between 15 and 20,000. So like $18,000. That still means it's 22 grand out of pocket every year per child in mm. childcare. Like that's ridiculous um, in order to be able to work. So for a lot of people that could be a third or a quarter of their income for the average Australian. So um, how is that feasible for anyone? And then to think of the costs of, you know, nappies and childcare equipment, prams, everything, it's wild. Mm. Mm. And there's a lot of economic insecurity at the moment, especially with a situation yeah. like COVID in certain industry hell i know in the arts uh there's a lot of people i would have hated to have had young children now where there's a lot of insecurity surrounding well even my income because live yeah. shows you just don't know when they're even coming back and uh, mm. whether people are going to want to come out and all sorts of things so uh it's it's an economically tumultuous time ai uh is by all accounts going to create even more job insecurity and usually with white collar workers mm. some professions like accounting and yeah. other uh uh data driven work is at risk of uh you know and a similar kind of apocalypse in the next 10 exactly. to 20 years so exactly. uh that would also uh make you less likely to uh want to start a family but then i guess Talking about things like childcare, let's talk about now the sociological and cultural changes that have occurred over the last century because they've been huge. Uh, a lot of people are just not choosing to have children. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it may not even be an economic... Uh, then There may not be any economic conditions that are leading to that conclusion. They just don't want to have children. Mm -hmm. um, some are even doing it for climate change. Oh, there's just too many human beings on the planet why should I add to that burden? So that is another factor there. 
uh, it's not it's it's a sort of personal choice that's affecting the fertility rates and it's uh, even worse in East Asian countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, in I think Korea, it's it's the birth rate there is really low. I don't mm. know what it is, but I think it might even be the lowest in the world. And South Korea, I no one knows what it is in North Korea. <laughs> yeah. Even if you have kids there, I don't know what the survival rate would be. Yeah. Uh, but South Korea, Japan, something like fifty percent of um, Japanese people under the age of thirty are virgins. Mm. Again, that could be a choice. Now, this comes down to a, a a point of contention that I think we we may have even not not necessarily contention, but different ideas that we may have had on previous podcasts, which is like, okay, is there some sort of duty each individual has to the country if if, if there is uh, a declining birth rate, and if it's true that in eighty years, you know, the population will decrease by fifty percent, is is there any sense of responsibility that lies on the individual citizens of that country to to try and have kids? Uh, for you know, it wasn't that long ago when I think it was Peter Costello who was the treasurer under Howard was sort of jokingly I, I don't know if he was jokingly or half seriously saying you know you have one for mum, one for dad, one for the country. <laughs> uh, and for most of the twentieth century, that probably would have yeah. been a major ethos people lived by. But good luck trying to say something like that now. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be laughed out of Parliament, but how much of this is just a byproduct of there being more emphasis on individual self-actualization and the choices individuals can make to uh, achieve happiness, and uh, people yeah. just not choosing to have children, and whether that's even then a bad thing? Yeah, exactly, and I think that's the biggest point of this is that there it's no longer frowned upon. So people thinking, okay, is this going to add value to my life, or is it not going to be? It's there's very much an opportunity now for choice rather than having the pressure to have um, children. I know that you know people now are having children a lot later as well, and in 1991, the rate of people over 30 having kids was 23 percent, and I think in 2018, the rate of women over 30 having children was 48%. So imagine what it's like even now. Big, big yeah. Jump. yeah. Oh, so that was in, in 2000, that, that was 2016. Sorry, it was that was five years ago. It was 48%. So mm. now it's going to be even a lot more. And the people, it's just not possible. Like it's just not feasible to have children, unfortunately, for so many people. And like you said, the fears of What's happening environmentally and around the world is terrifying for people. I know someone that um, can't remember what his degree is, but he's studying like a master's of environmental something. And he said after he specializes in studying soil and he went and got a vasectomy at 25 or 24 after learning what he did during his degree because he's like, there is no way I will bring a child into this world. They're doomed. Like he's like, no one should be having children based on what I've learned on what, you know, what's coming. So apparently wow. coffee coffee will no longer be able to be growing within 20 years. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, wow, yeah. Um, <laughs> An even bigger crisis. A lot of that. Yeah, you, you also, look, with the environmental thing, I've, the books I've read, it's, it's very scary. But then now there's uh, that other book that's, Gaining a little bit of notoriety, Apocalypse Never by um, Michael Schellenberg. Although I read that one, I didn't. He's What's actually using. 
Well, he's sort of going against the narrative, and he fought, he used to work at Greenpeace, and then he sort of turned against the oh. progressive ethos and the environmentalism, and said he's more. It's not that he's a he's a denier or anything like that, but he he he's definitely a proponent of nuclear. And I just didn't like the way his book was actually written. Most of the, uh, I guess, if you want to say pro climate change and climate change skeptic. If you want to, mm. d- d- you know, it, it's more nuanced than that. But if you want to classify it as that, the, the pro-climate, it, it, for whatever reason, climate change has now been associated with the, like, feelings over facts. And if you read the books, it's the most rigorous scientific exploration of every possible facet of uh, what's occurring in the natural environment. And then you read Michael Schellenberger's book, and then there's these chapters where he's talking about this one African woman and saying, well, if this country burnt coal, she'll actually be able to have a job. And it's like, look, that's great, but you can't, mm. you can't like argue with the lived experience of one woman yeah. over like global trends. Yeah. So he's doing what that side of culture is always right. accusing the other side of doing. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, tell me what if you've read that book. Tell me what you thought. Um, it, 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 yeah. My concern with the personal choice of people not opting to have kids is that it's intelligent people that seem to be not opting to have kids the most. And the people who are having the most kids are, uh, well, I don't want to be pretentious here, but look, you go to certain, uh, usually in lower socioeconomic areas, there are people with a lot more children. And it's not that I think they're dumb or anything like that, but, you know, there's more kids growing up in that environment and may uh, you know there probably should be more children growing up in other environments um and also the birth rates among uh religious countries and within religious communities is still exceedingly high i know the birth rate in africa as overall as a continent is is still remarkably high europe the birth rate has plummeted Mm. Uh, over the last couple of decades and that again it makes it if we're talking if we're just looking through the sociological lens here that makes a lot of sense because particularly western europe is very very progressive and liberal compared to the rest of the world and it was formerly very very catholic uh and well just christian uh and you compare that to say somewhere like latin america where the birth rates are still quite high uh but they don't have the same economic development and they're also still quite catholic Mm. uh so a lot of this is cultural as well it definitely is and And your your point about the many children and lower socioeconomic um, families is so accurate and sometimes really sad as well like you know i Mm. work with a hundred children that overlook um literally a hundred and in western sydney and basically all of them have at least six seven eight nine ten siblings it is wild um and then you know everything falls apart and the families fall apart and it's really hard to support because how can you you know support a high needs child or an at-risk child when you've got six others that you're also looking after and you're pregnant and i just think wow like how are you so fertile that's what blows (laughs) my mind as well like how much sex are you having to be, it's not easy to have kids. A lot of people think, oh, be careful if you fuck up one time. Like, obviously, be very careful. But I was looking this up the other week after a little 
slip up and um i was like shit what are the chances here even when you're ovulating which is your you know most fertile period you you really can only get pregnant two days of the month when you're ovulating and yep. even then there's only a 20 percent chance if you know someone ejaculates inside you that a pregnancy will occur every single month only tw- two days and then 20 percent chance so like it's not easy to get <laughs> pregnant it's pretty Number wild three. Yeah, very fertile, which, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're starting pretty young, I guess, but... Yeah, maybe that's it. There's also the men... Yeah, well, look, we'll get into the sort of gender fluidity or like the lack of testosterone and how yeah, I'm that curious may, uh, about that, yeah, because I don't know yeah, much about that. Yeah, that can so. actually impact uh, sperm yeah. rates and things like that. Um, I guess just really quickly, the other note I wanted to make was like, do, do you think... Do you think it ever is ethically permissible to say that okay no for the to the duty of the the tribe or the community or the country some people should have kids no absolutely not because if there's one thing i've ever learned in my work is that when a child's not wanted it will really ruin them their basically their entire life unless they have significant access to psychological services to support them through that so if someone's forced to have a baby and then they're like, oh, mm. not, it wasn't wanted. It's the, the detriment of that would be way worse to the economy. I'm sure they'd be better almost not to have, I shouldn't say that. It, it's still obviously it's, every child is a blessing and every child has an opportunity to overcome the adversity that they endured, but it will put them through much more significant hardship than someone that has been birthed into a, with a loving parent or family. Mm. What about, uh, do you think the culture now actually encourages people to not have kids? Uh, yeah. Because there are some people, you, 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 and this is just purely me looking through comment threads on, on Facebook, and I may be in an echo chamber. What's that group called that you sent me the one that was crazy? Oh, that's a that's a that's the darkest side of it, <laughs> which is uh, I regret having children, uh, and it's just yeah. anonymous uh, sort of recounts of parents talking about why they regret actually having children it's really sad actually yeah it's very dark um you know when you think about the way parenting and motherhood and fatherhood is often depicted it's ah sucked into them they got these little monsters running around and you know the the dad is usually a bumbling fool and he can never do anything right and you know just whipped or whatever and for a lot of young men i think they see that and they think well what the hell why the hell would i want to do that yeah similarly for women uh you know why do i you know your life is over once you have a once you have a baby and there's that sort of cultural ethos which maybe it comes down to our generate the millennial generation seeing the dysfunction of our parents similarly gen x uh seeing the dysfunction of their parents and therefore thinking like well why the hell would i want to do that it was just fights all the time uh and then i'm guessing you compare that to someone who grew up in a very loving household and they're probably i'm I'm, again i'm guessing more likely to want to have children yeah so i definitely uh, think that's a that that's a thing especially Mm. in um maybe in you know circles that i'm in where people kind of lean more i know that in my i'm in like a i don't want to say a vegan group but i'm in a vegan group chat and there's like a vegan group chat i love that <laughs> shameful there's like 15 or 20 of us in it and i'm one of like two people that actually want to have a baby and 
when I talk about it, I always feel like ashamed to want to bring a child into this world because they're so, everyone is so environmentally con like conscious and things like that. They all constantly sending articles and research and all this shit. Um, and I also was thinking the other day, you know, I, next week I'm, I'm 27 and I'm at that age now where I'm like, I want to have a baby kind of. And, mm. but then I was like, Oh, everyone's going to judge me cause I'm so young. And then I'm like, Oh, that's crazy that at 27, I would still Not feel in the that Central people Coast. would. Yeah, true. <laughs> You're old. <laughs> I don't know anyone up here. So that's, it's different. I still like associating too much with Sydney people, but I do like, worry that people will be like well that was that was early that you did that in your life so it is interesting how kind of i get that pressure but then again now that i'm at this age i'm getting a lot of pressure from my mom interestingly to have a baby all of a sudden she's given mm. up on my brother and the other day we were walking the beach and she saw her friends and i was there with adrian and my mom and she told her friends randomly i'm gonna be a grandma so they started congratulating me <laughs> and i was like oh. I'm not pregnant. Like, and then she was like, I'm just manifesting, yeah. but it was just really weird. And I was like, Jeez, that was... sounds like an ethnic mom. <laughs> that was intense, mom. Yeah, wow. Thanks out. Yeah. But I think 27 yeah, is not, that's a pretty normal kind of age. I don't think that's, um, you know, abnormally young by any stretch of the imagination. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I think we're relating this to, to sort of middle-class Sydney circles. I think exactly for, probably yeah. for the majority of Australia, actually, this yeah. may not be relatable. Um, I know in, in, a, in rural and country and working class areas, even a lot of people are having kids mm -hmm. in their early twenties. So, uh, this may be a very Sydney centric conversation and apologies, apologies. If, it, if it comes across <laughs> that way. Jinx. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, it's almost seen as d like a betrayal to your personal autonomy, yeah. uh, by having a child and, oh, now you've like committed to domestic servitude and you know, yeah. there's, there's, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a hell of a lot. I, I wouldn't know, but I can only imagine it's just a hell of a lot of work, but it's also, I I'd, I'd hope very rewarding and uh, you know, it does also beg the question, well, what are you going to, when you're in your sixties and your seventies and things, what do you, you know, what are you going to do if you're retired? Yeah. You know, you know, you can't have your career forever, but hopefully you can have hmm. your kids forever. So, I actually also learned though that, um, another, I guess, societal cause of not having children is that it's in this day and age, much fewer relationships are able to be maintained. So, People are often breaking <laughs> up before, you know, three years together or two years together so that they're mm. not even having the opportunity to fall pregnant. Um, so mm. that's an interesting factor, I thought, as well, is that I'm like, well, that actually makes a lot of sense that everyone I know that wants it's a baby. Get even worse. Yeah, just hasn't had one because they've had, you know, a lot of break breaking up with their boyfriends and things like that. So, mm. And yeah, it's just getting uh, that, that trend seemingly will continue yeah. uh, with the technology we have and the sort of, well, the, the rising rates if uh, adverse mental health outcomes, which is not conducive to happy long-term pair bonds, which is what you ideally want. Yeah. I know I did that podcast where it's like, can you have kids with a friend, which was half joking. And that was a good one. <laughs> took it very seriously. 
Look, there, there, there's not, again the, the usual uh, disclaimer. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a single parent, but yeah. if you can share the load with a, it, someone that cares about you and you have a strong enough relationship with that person, that is obviously just statistically going to be better off for the child. Doesn't mean you're a bad person or you're a bad parent or anything like that at all. Uh, yeah. But look, you go you go to those sort of lower socioeconomic areas, and there's there's far more uh, single motherhood, and it often is single motherhood. Single fathers are a lot rarer. Um, there's a there's an interesting uh, idea that's sort of come about from I've forgotten his name. I think it might be Rob Henderson, and he wrote a, an article about luxury beliefs, and it's the idea that uh, back in the day, uh, affluent people would signify their wealth through uh you know their clothes or uh status purchases their cars whereas nowadays uh affluent people signify their their wealth through their beliefs so there are Mm. certain uh, uh, luxury beliefs that only help the upper class that are great for uh people in uh higher socioeconomic areas and and higher tax brackets but they they harm uh, working class and um, even middle class people. So an analogy wow, was that yeah. he was actually doing an interview with Jordan Peterson mm. uh, and he was saying in his radio, he was on Tinder or something and, and within his limited radius, it was usually women from his university or college. And a lot of them were saying things like, you know, I'm polyamorous or I'm... Um, Mm. open to diff- you know open to non-monogamous uh uh situations and then also uh people who were just sort of espousing those sorts of ideas and this is actually what's made me change my mind on the that particular issue as well then he'd sort of extend his radius an extra couple of miles i think he was in america obviously so then uh, there was just like so many single mothers. There was one sort yeah. of really working class town and it's just like all these single mothers and, and, and he was making the argument that it's like, all right, the sort of belief that, you know, marriage is outdated and monogamy is outdated and these sorts of things, these help people who are like economically secure, who are yeah. uh, able to, you know, provide for their children if they ever are a single parent and are able to sort of uh, achieve uh fulfillment and self-determination but for other sectors of society those sorts of beliefs and sort of degrading the institution of of marriage actually hurts them now yeah. it's, a, it's a we could probably do a whole podcast on that that's a because very good point, there's also yeah. then a lot of shame and and pressure to stay in very unhealthy marriages that comes with that mm. uh but looking at the rates of sort of single parents and you know, of uh, something like sex positivity as well, something like that. That's great if you're educated and and financially well off and and middle or upper middle mm. class, and mm. you know, there's not a huge issue if you if you do need to have a safe abortion. It still would be very traumatic and things, but mm. um, but then maybe in other areas of society where maybe they maybe they don't even have access to that, and mm. and then they. You know, if there was, I'm not saying that there sh- we should just go back to the 1800s where like any sort of sex outside of marriage was shamed, but maybe if there's just sort of a balance between a little bit of 
not shame, but just warning and uh, some preventative abstinence measures that could actually prevent a lot of uh, children being born into households yeah. that are loveless or at least mm. or might be very resentful and, and, you know, the sort of overall utilitarian value to society is is far worse off with some of those luxury beliefs. And I think that's a really interesting thing to think about it and coming back mm. to maybe we are very Sydney-centric and, you know, mm. we're both pretty middle-class, um, uh, you know, I came, my parents, university educated, they, they were migrants, sure, but they were, you know, university educated and um, mm. they were never wealthy or anything like that, but my dad was in finance, so yeah, money was always there uh mm. so the beliefs that might be good for me that might help me and might liberate me may not be so liberating and helpful for people in other circumstances and it's actually that that idea has made me change it's not that i'm now against non-monogamous relationships or anything like that but i've, I've definitely changed my ideas from what they were even just last year wow that's mm. so interesting such a good point as well really good thing to take away from this and think about because I always think about that I hadn't really made the connection to what you're saying but also about how people say you know being vegan is a privilege and it kind of ties into that as well like oh everyone should be vegan and eat organic it's the best obviously and then it's like well yeah imagine having the luxury to be able to you know choose what you want to eat afford all those things and be able to do that so it's a really good point yeah Mm. especially about relationships and and the educated status of being able to say like oh yeah having children is bad for the environment it definitely is a i love that yeah i want to read that or listen to that whatever Mm. it was very interesting uh, if i can find the article i'll link it in the podcast so that's i suppose we there's probably again all of this so much we could do like five podcasts on each aspect of this so that's Mm. i suppose the sociological and cultural side of things I mean, again, I feel like that one, you could just go, so we, we might come back to it. But then now let's look at environmental factors. So um, first, sedentary lifestyles and diet. Uh, B, so sp- sp- let's first go with sperm counts in men. That The book focused a lot on that. It, it's scary how much they've fallen uh, in something like 30 or 40 years. They've halved on average. And again, not just in Western countries, in the whole wow. world. And the the trend doesn't look to be, uh, you know, slowing. Um, yeah, gosh. So we're definitely not as active as we were. And that actually helps with one testosterone. And then usually that... It's funny, the book was saying at some point, some men who have really abnorm- very high testosterone actually can sometimes have a lower sperm count because when you have super high testosterone, it sort of gives a message that, oh, you don't need to produce any more sperm. Men who go on TRT often have a much lower sperm count. Yeah. But that's artificially produced testosterone, though. Um, Also, with men having children later as well, you know, their sperm count declines. Um, They're actually more likely to uh, have genetically abnormal sperm especially over the age of 45, the rate of things like uh, dwarfism and um, physical disabilities can actually increase. Wow. Um, Yeah, yeah, and uh, being overweight as well, uh, where where 
a very overweight society and that mm. affects sperm counts, affects testosterone as well. All of the, I'm sure I've gone through this on previous podcasts, but uh, uh, yeah, sperm counts drastically you know lowering. actually and, don't know is, can you, oh, I need to research this, can you reduce, I'm sorry, reverse a lower sperm count? Like through, if you go on a health mm. kick and whatever, can you actually increase yeah. your sperm count? So the book said it. it, it there are so, there's like a sort of things that can happen to the fetus that will determine the sperm count, the, like the range of the sperm count for the rest of the adult man's life. Yeah. But even there, there's still a range within that. So yeah, uh, right, if you cut okay. back on smoking, yeah. if you lose weight, if you just generally live a healthy active lifestyle and, and also things like, uh, yeah, uh, mental health issues, which also, there's also very high rates of erectile dysfunction. Yes. And I think the biggest reason for that is porn. Hell, even I've, you yeah. know, had to yeah. suffer with stuff like that. And uh, it's, you know, it's not good. Uh, we're so far mm. removed from our just natural mm. human environment and our impulses a lot of which need to be controlled, don't get me wrong, but in sort of controlling mm. them too much and pathologizing them, are we creating, you know, a, a world wherein maybe the few women who still want to get pregnant can't because the men don't have any sperm. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, well, thankfully we have well. enough we have enough sperm supply now actually in oh, Australia okay. at least to be able to survive if every man dropped off the planet. Um, so well, we're okay with that, but yeah, women's fertility was... rates also lower massively, yes. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And the sperm, uh, the, the ch there was a chapter about the sperm donation and there's all these categories. She was saying it's harder to get into Harvard than it is to be accepted as a sperm donor in, in the major sperm banks in America. Cause there's really? all these criteria you have to meet. Huh. That's what it said. That's what the book said. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah. You gotta be like, obviously very healthy. You gotta have never had an STI, never had any, well, recently not had any fevers. You've got to be a certain height. I think I'm not allowed to, to do it. Um, yeah, you got to uh, usually have a certain educational level. I mean, all of that kind of makes sense. But then what will happen is, well, there'll be a lot of, maybe there'll just be a lot of sort of single professional women who want to just be single mothers we're just picking out these like one of five sperm that are the popular sperm. Yeah, that's true. And everyone true. will be related. So that that's might not be a good thing either. Yeah, there's a um, show. There was like a show on Channel 10 about that. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, same same concept. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Um, one mm. of the things that I learned that was really fucking terrifying was uh, microplastics. Yep. And that like every year on the average adult consumes like 74,000 bits of microplastics. And it's like we consume a credit card a week and each year a fireman's hat yeah. of microplastics. And that um, now, like only a few years ago, like I think like five years ago or something, it would sometimes be seen in, you know, in pregnant women but now the babies are being born with already having microplastics in their system, which is really crazy. And there's like a million ways in which you consume them. But one of the biggest ways, not to go on a vegan rant, but it's actually through meat because when they make the um, the feed that goes to the cattle that will then be, you know, slaughtered and things like that, 
they've produced such a large amount of this grain that they literally throw um and there's heaps of videos and studies done confirming this they will throw bread in the you know white cheap white bread in the plastic and then to be incinerated into the grain and things like that so they don't bother taking the bread out of the plastic because they have to do like you know a thousand a day just throwing them all in so then Mm. that goes into the feed which then the cow consumes and then you know we or not me (laughs) thankfully but meat eaters um consume that and then they've got you know twice as much microplastic in their system as, as someone else so it's terrifying there's, there's, yeah, so the next thing I was going to go to was going to differ, like, because the, there's lifestyle factors that are contributing mm-hmm. to uh, lower sperm counts that I think a lot of men can actually improve on. Mm. Um, now, I don't know how much the lifestyle factors are contributing to women's fertility, but again, this was saying that certain uh, fertility issues have doubled or something in the West yes, since yeah. the, for the, over the last... Yeah, stress is another one. That's yeah. another one. We're very mm-hmm. overworked. And uh, having said that, I don't, I don't know. People in the 70s were probably just as, I don't know, maybe they weren't. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, the chemicals, it's just something, it's so hard to avoid plastic, you know? It, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through everything in my fridge and all in, in my entire apartment and, and trying to like limit the plastic. But I mean, it's just plastic is. Mm-hmm in everything it's everywhere uh it's probably just there's a certain just level background level in the environment that would be impossible to avoid when you go out when you just are on public transport in a car i mean it's just you could try and limit the amount of plastic that uh is around you in the environment and definitely eat within the food Mm. uh but Unless there's some sort of governmental action on this, I think, like collective action somehow, this this is just going to get worse because it's very mm. economically efficient to use a lot of these materials. Exactly. And yeah. I try and buy all the products that are, you know, BPA-free and this-free and that. And, but then there's a new one. The ones that were doing BPA-free also had something else. And then you got to yeah. try and look out for this that. This gets and replaced, just, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so difficult unless you basically live like a caveman. Yeah. Who probably has very high sperm counts, <laughs> let's be honest. Um it's so hard to to avoid some of this stuff. Uh but I guess you got you got to try. Uh smoking is a big one, but look, rates of smoking has act- have actually decreased. Yeah. Um but smoking really hurts your sperm count. And it's mm. it's very harmful for for uh, women who are pregnant. Obviously, don't smoke yeah. when you're pregnant. Um, drinking isn't as bad for sperm counts if it's moderate, but it's still it's just it's not good for you. Um, th- this book was saying if you have like something like eight units a week, there's some very small correlation with the lowering of sperm count. But then if you have more than that, so if you you're a binge drinker or you're drinking like two or three drinks a night. There's a big dip. Now, uh-huh. I wonder how cor- whether this is correlative or causal, uh, because similarly with marijuana... Yeah, uh, that's curious about that, for, yeah. Yeah, for a marijuana user, they on average had a lower sperm count. But again, I, I wonder if that's actually causal, because 
Yeah. I'm guessing most then marijuana you users kind yeah. of just yes, just lays around the couch. Yeah. Uh, on average, eating all of shitty them. food. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I wonder if if it's the marijuana itself. But yeah, you look, you're smoking this thing going into your lungs. Like I'm sure it's. There are some therapeutic benefits, but overall, you probably shouldn't do it too much. Um, so, what do you think is the reason for the the fact that lower socioeconomic areas have such high children? Do you think it's just because they had sex a lot more, or do you think it's because maybe, like you know, statistically, they're more likely to be tradies rather than someone working <laughs> in business or something like that? And they had that kind of active lifestyle or something i don't i wonder combination of both but yeah i do wonder as well i think uh there's less oversight from the parents when they're teenagers and and in their early 20s so they're they're probably engaging in you know casual sex and Mm. and party hookups a lot younger having said that i know people who went to private schools that are losing their virginity at 13 or whatever uh i think there's I'm guessing, look, all of this is just my opinion. I don't actually know, but there's probably more education around things like safe sex. It's yeah. probably like more access to um, abortion yeah. in, in higher economic areas where there's more yeah. access, but less shame associated with it and, and things like that. And there's more sort of planning of, uh, of you know, your career and your, and your family. Because, mm. look, it probably wasn't that long ago when um, – middle class people were also having kids at like 18 19 20 mm. you know post world war 2 exactly uh the average uh age for a first time parent was still very early 20s i think maybe even mm. 21 um there's also I, I do wonder it would be very interesting to sort of measure i guess testosterone now testosterone again i don't know what the exact correlation between testosterone and sperm rates are because there is some evidence that shows if you have a really high testosterone, it actually can lessen your sperm count a little bit. But what it does do is it makes you more, uh, you know, likely to pursue mates. We'll, we'll call it that. You're just a lot more, um, you, well, you're hornier, but <laughs> you've got a higher sex drive. And that's yeah. another thing. Just uh, people's sex drive has lowered in, yes. generally. Like yeah. people just don't aren't are having less sex. Yeah. And... It's very ironic because we live in a very sex-positive, progressive world. Yeah. Um, so maybe in some of those those kind of environments, yeah, maybe the there is a different idea of well, to to use maybe the the more left-wing kind of argument. It's there's the different idea of masculinity, um, and it's all about you know trying to get as many girls as you can. Having said that, again, like you think about other, mm. I think that it actually is. Uh, pretty common across all sectors of society there but um yeah i don't know i don't know for sure uh some would say some conservatives would say when when you've had you know there's been this social safety net for single mothers and for single parents and a lot of welfare support well the unintended consequence of that is there's less uh care than when it comes to having children and and uh, family planning because they know well you know I'll just get paid by the government if I have another kid mm. whereas uh, the the what it was previously was well I will won't be able to survive and afford this kid so I I either just have to get married and mm. the parents would probably be a lot more forceful in 
you know, it wasn't that long ago when shotgun marriages were occurring. <laughs> yeah. You know, figur- figuratively, like, like the parents were like, all right, you're both 18, you got her pregnant, marry her. That's yeah. what you have to do. Otherwise, this kid's going to have no chance. So uh, that doesn't as occur as much as it used to in the West. Mm. And so men can actually sort of shirk the responsibility of fatherhood a lot more. Oh, for sure. That's yeah. another Men are wanting to have kids later and later because they know they're like, well, I don't need to have them right now. I want to focus on this. You know, my priority is this. I want to have fun. People are less inclined to find a wife, be married by 25. Like I think in particular for men, it's much later. And that's often mm. why women end up with older men because that's, you know, when they're more likely to be ready to be married or whatever but you know that being said even though australia in particular has so much you know more access to financial support from the government and things like that if you were to fall pregnant i did read in all the australian research that you know the reason people state that they can't have children is because the lack of societal structure that makes having kids available um and things in place from government like yeah you can get 600 a week or 700 a week but is that really enough for two people and a baby like that i could not live off that even as just one person i probably couldn't yeah for those look but for like a in a lower socioeconomic environment they might view that as that's a shitload of money i can do a lot with 700 which people do so Hmm. it is um pretty scary to think about I get, I guess, in that sense that well, everyone's saying I can't be supported. I, I just cannot afford it, and and even you know, child um, maternity leave varies so differently. Like I, in my where I work with families and children, I get six weeks paid maternity leave and my job held mm. for a year, so I can return into that position within a year. And my, I know someone that worked at Westfield which is, you know, nothing really to do with children and and families and they get 6 months paid maternity leave of their Really? Yeah, so it just hmm. apparently it just differs so much from whatever agency or organization you're with. I know, you know, like working for child protection um government like DCJ or FACS, you get 6 months as well. Um, but most places mm. will just give you six weeks, which really is not much that <laughs> out of a whole year. Um, mm. And then you're either on a single income, but if your partner earns more than, if your partner is on, I think, six figures or above, I don't know, the, you can't get government subsidy anyway. So there's a lot of things there that make it hard and it's, it's just really expensive. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, so there's there's... A lot of factors that are, it's not just a sort of, yeah, there's the bio, there's, well, there's the change of our biology mm-hmm. in the uh, lowering of sperm counts and fertility in in women as well. So like I said earlier in the podcast, there's the uh, the comparison of a woman in her 20s today compared to a, a woman in her 30s at the turn of the century and the woman in her 30s was statistically more fertile yeah so something's going wrong there I don't yeah know what's going on. i know that 
What I find really scary is that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, one of the biggest reasons for the drop in fertility in women was because of, for example, undiagnosed um, chlamydia that they had received when they, you know, caught, got an STI at 20, showed no symptoms, had slept, you know, been married with the second person, they slept with a third person, never got tested. And then 10 years later, having an STI for that long, complete, your fertility is gone. So this is the importance of STI testing, but there was that complete lack of education about STIs that are asymptomatic. And I know that that was a huge cause in, in, you know, uh, a decrease in fertility rates because a lot of women didn't know that they had long-term STIs. But what I find really scary is that these things like microplastics and, and, and stress, um, that is a huge determinator of of what your fertility rates and your sperm count as well but stress isn't like just stress that you feel like oh shit shit went down today i'm stressed stress can be watching news stress can be watching horror on tv stress can be sitting in traffic there's so there's a lot of un unconscious stresses that we have that we're not even aware i'm stressed right now so that's really scary. And what's, you know, the difference between this and the 80s is that a lot of these things are out of our control. So, mm. so <laughs> mm. it goes so far above us. It goes so far above us on the individual level often. The plastics and, and the chemicals are out of our control. We can, we can manage that as best as we can. I've mm. tried to change all my Tupperware containers to well, glass. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, this is still okay. This is plastic everywhere. Kind of, I mean, probably plastic in this, in these. I mean, it just yeah. And I'm probably you know because microplastics are constantly being, as far as I'm aware, that's the science of it. They're just everywhere. There's plastic. There's always like a sort of degradation to some degree, and there's yeah, microplastics exactly. going around the atmosphere. That's why they say you should never drink so, from like a water bottle that you buy, like a Mount Franklin water bottle. You should yeah. never drink from it. You shouldn't refill them. So just yeah. please use a fucking water bottle. <laughs> yeah, I hate I when people All buy like my childhood. Yeah. I brought a like a plastic water bottle to school to drink. Reused from. it for weeks. Yeah, because like yeah, no one, no, no one, I didn't know. My yeah, and then like reheating that. takeaway containers is also really bad. Yeah, um, I mean it's just so much that yeah. you're just not aware of. Like yeah. I, ugh, yeah, I think about some of the stuff I ate and did as a kid, and that's in a very formative time of my life, and. Was a plastic water bottle and oh god, just all sorts mm. of processed foods and you know yeah. try to make up for that at this age. But there's got to be some sort of there's a there's look. I don't know if it's necessarily the like economic system, but there's clearly just like a parliamentarians that are devoid of actual values here, and they're choosing yeah. the money from these big agribusiness companies. That's it over the health of the children in their country and it's really gross it's really really gross yeah. so something's got to look uh, there, there, there does have to be some collective action mm. i think but also lifestyle factors do make a difference yeah uh behaviors that you engage in or, or choose not to engage in will matter it it does seem like you, you know you can't really have everything what mm. Can we have this society where everyone is fulfilled and working to their fullest capacity and then can have kids in their 20s and be able to afford everything as best as they can and send them to private school and then, you know, also go 
pretty much both parents can go straight back to work and it's it's like well there has to be sacrifices that are made somewhere mm. you can't really have everything and i know a lot, look I, because women have a sort of smaller healthier uh, uh fertility window mm. it does make it harder men can sort of wait a bit longer there. even then though after 45 the health of the sperm really does go down mm. um but it's uh, sort of after 35 for women it, it's a lot harder to get pregnant yes yeah because that, my mom that did 20... it at 35 and 39 wow so, good for yeah. her because that's how i that 20 percent stat um like how i said you can conceive 20 percent of the time when you're ovulating <laughs> that was for women that was for my own age so late mm. 20s but once you're in your 30s it even decreases further apparently yeah. so that's yeah really like scary to think about that but another thing mm. is the cost of ivf so supported you know fertility treatments is most people require three four five treatments of ivf to fall pregnant if they ever do and that's ten thousand dollars a treatment so who can afford that it's wild i know i know a couple that spent on um, tens of thousands of dollars they did like three or four treatments and um they happened to fall pregnant in between treatments on their own so all that money <laughs> for nothing well, well it wasn't for nothing it was a miracle baby yeah, yeah it was a huge miracle but yeah pretty pretty scary yeah i mean i i am in favor of some kind of like more support for for mm. prospective families but then again look if already we're saying uh that the lower fertility rates are meaning a, a greater burden on social services well, when when we're sub, if we subsidise all these things, that's another burden on social services. Exactly. And if people are having one or one child or two children, it's it's just a cost to the taxpayer. Mm. So, uh, there's no solution. <laughs> there's no solution, is there? Yeah. It, it does look like just birth rates are going to decline, and yeah. when humans are in this day and age, when they're often when they're given a choice of whether they want to have kids or not, a lot don't. Yeah, and if people do have kids, they often then have two or three now, and that's if say fifty percent want to have kids, and then they fifty percent have two or three. Well, that's the population will keep declining. But you you never know how things will change, and uh, because you know people who might be religious are still having quite a generally having quite a few kids, and mm. I'd, I'd assume their kids are also more more likely to be religious and therefore have more kids so look um it's pretty drastic the drop in infertility the drop in sperm rates the drop in testosterone the drop in uh, the, the increase in uh uh reproductive issues for women uh mm. yeah polycystic ovaries is a, mm. another that's increased so much early onset puberty in a lot of girls, mm. girls getting periods as young as six and seven. And that's more common now than before. Yeah. And it it's a combination of so many factors. It's cultural, sociological, it's uh, environmental, it's lifestyle, um, and, and just personal choice as well. And if it is a problem, The only way of fixing something like that is to actually have a bit more of a, well, and if you want to call it oppressive, but a, a, a sort of state or a culture that says, 
you should have kids and and you you know bring back the baby bonus <laughs> well $5, uh, yeah I mean, again, like five thousand that doesn't really well, yeah. again it could be a middle class sydney thing but it's like all right that covers ooh, a pram that's... and a cot <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't seem like it does that mm. much um and economic factors as well yes i forgot that so there's just all these factors that have come together to create this problem there's not one factor at play here mm-hmm. and you, yeah you wonder what will happen what will happen to like developed nations because you know china has a population curve that is a lot more old people the east asian countries it's very bad but but western countries don't seem to be that far behind um mm. and now with the way uh Im- improvements in technology for for pornography and also a culture that's more atomized and people are less likely to interact with people um and sometimes even less likely to approach uh it's just going to continue to decrease well it's going to decrease relationships but also mm. just yeah decrease birth rates and that's another one that you mentioned that 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 I think is particularly salient where a lot of people in their mid 20s and then late 20s have relationships that don't really work out and or one person's on the fence because it's very normal to not want it yeah so have those conversations early figure out early on if they that person sees children in their life because usually if you're our age and you're in your 20s that that person is likely to know if they want to have kids um or if they're on the fence that's fine but you have to be okay with that because i've seen so many relationships break up after eight nine years when they're like oh he didn't want a child but they knew that the whole time they were hoping he'd change his mind like just don't like i ended a very loving relationship for that reason as well because i was like well it's a a really important compatibility that we need um but i also think that i probably should have said this at the start rather than at the end now that everyone's had an existential crisis um (laughs) taking into like consideration that a lot of our viewers are like 18 and quite young um Mm. don't go jumping off you know from this podcast and thinking shit i need to have a baby because i'm not going to be able to fall pregnant or whatever statistically 60 to 70 percent of women that are trying for a baby will fall pregnant within a year and 90 percent of women will fall pregnant within two within two years so those are the current stats so even though it's much more you know longer at least 90 percent of women actively trying for a baby will fall pregnant within two years so don't like (laughs) think i'm shit i'm 20 i have to have a baby right now um Mm. It's, it is, it's bad, like, you know, the fertility rates and everything, but it's not at the point where we're not going to be able to fall pregnant. So don't, don't fret. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, (laughs) And look, uh, yeah, if it's something you want, it is something you probably have to start thinking seriously about in, in your twenties. Don't, you know, look, nothing wrong if you start thinking about it in your thirties, but People can rush into relationships that aren't sustainable because they're just desperate to have a baby, and mm. then they do that, uh, and it, it's it's not a good uh, mm. it's not a good environment for anyone. And look, a lot of men now are just falling behind in, in terms of their career and just their mental health, and the the classic trope of the guy in his twenties just still drinking all the time and uh, maybe even living in in his mum's basement. Let's go with the full stereotype. That doesn't look like a very suitable man to have a baby with. Um, yeah. Well, no, it doesn't. So, no. 
in a weird way, that could actually be the cost of female empowerment. There's just now a lot of lackluster men who aren't really suitable to become fathers and may not want to be fathers and just want to watch porn all day. So uh, you got to sort of instill... People should want to... Ha- if, again, if, you, if, if we're going to bring more kids into the world, they should be from parents that actually want to have kids. Yeah. And... They've got to, with, you know what, fam- people who are pro-family, if you want to, whatever you want to call it, they've got to win the cultural argument. And they're not. They're losing it because everyone thinks about, you know, young parents or just parenthood. And, ugh, you know, a lot of people in their 20s will roll their eyes, but, ugh, why would I want to do that? And then fathers, whenever they talk, they always yeah. seem so depressed. <laughs> they're always like, oh, don't do it, bro. You know? Wait as long as you can. It's not worth it. Do you know what's so funny is that when, like, Adrian is a tradie, but he's a landscaper, and he always tells me stories about the the landscapers he works with. They all, like, half of them have kids, and they're always, like, saying, having kids is the best. I just do farts around them, and we laugh. And I'm like, this is so, like, not the that narrative that we often hear about men with kids it's wholesome but maybe it's just the gardening type of men (laughs) men that garden (laughs) i've developed a lot of theories on them you you have a little a lot of gardening yeah yeah, a little that's interesting yeah because i guess landscapers would be like the the sensitive tradie yeah i think so So based on what i've heard they're masculine they're manly because they're tradies (laughs) but then they've got a sensitive side to them so That probably, yeah, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. They'd be the ones that would really want to have kids. Um, Yeah, plumbers and sparkies would be... (laughs) Well, they'll be the ones getting the the women pregnant and leaving, right? (laughs) And then, like, the office men are the ones that, like, have the kids, but then... Uh, Are never there. Then become the deadbeat dads. Yeah. But even that, the idea of a deadbeat dad, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of dads that aren't deadbeat. It's always... It's always a deadbeat dad, you know? There's always a dad that's just a loser. Mm-hmm. or and, and But then the single woman's always like, oh, that's so powerful, that's so brave. Yeah, and it's exactly. like, look, all right. There's also a lot of deadbeat moms. Yeah. And there's a lot of amazing single dads out there. So, yeah. true that. Yeah, culturally, we've got a lot to work out. We've got a lot uh, to work There's no easy solution. Um, yeah, I'm going to read a lot more about, uh, yeah, parenthood and and these sorts of things as well because yeah, i we guess do I'm, part two one nearly, day. I'm 27 now too yeah. so something to i go from I, i'll spend like a year i remember when i was like 22 i was like yeah well i've got my career sorted and i'm i'm <laughs> you know and Aww. sorry 23 and i'm with someone who wanted to have she wanted to have kids young as well and i was like well why you know if i can buy a place why not yeah Thank God I didn't. (laughs) That did not end well, that relationship. She actually has a baby now. Uh, So she's stuck to it. She's definitely had them young. Is she the one that commented on your driving? Yeah. So, like, look, that's the one thing you get. If you want women in lower socioeconomic areas, not always, not always, but they seem more likely to, like, no, I want to have kids and I want to have them by 25. Whereas it's. uh, professional and upper class women that are usually like no i want to spend my 20s having a career or like you know i just want to 
be single or they're putting it off as well. So I wonder if it's maybe just a class distinction. Yeah, exactly. We've sort of associated parenthood with something a bit lesser and maybe there is a bit of sort of like a pretentious attitude towards uh, parenting. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not successful because I had a pre- baby when I was young or whatever, that kind of perception. Totally. But also, you know, study. Like I was studying until I was 25 and I started sure. at 18. So that would have been shit if I had spent $100,000 on yeah. studying to just have a baby. <laughs> and, and then there's also now a lot of, uh, there's a dearth of appropriate, according to uh, particularly educated women, there's, there's less suitable men um, in their eyes that they're willing to settle down with. So... Because there's a lot more women with degrees now than, than men. And that's a big thing. I think a lot of women... Well, no, no, I don't think this is what the statistics were saying. There's a lot of women who say, oh, well, I want him to be as le- at least as educated as I am. And then there's these other sort of factors. Um, and a lot of men aren't really meeting that, that standard. And I don't know, because I keep seeing things about women marrying down less educated men and, and lower income. But I don't know. Then again, marrying, attraction, dating, they're all different like mm. research factors, I guess. So I don't know. But yeah, very interesting. A, it's yeah. all very, you know, just because someone's got a degree doesn't really mean much. But it's usually a sign of, okay, potential income. But yeah, I don't know if it is anymore because no. now every bloody person has a degree. Whereas in yeah. Australia... Like, Tradies make a hell of a lot of money, especially 20s and 30s. Now then, like some people in their professional life, once they get to their 30s and 40s, especially if they're just laser focused on the career, yeah, that's when they start making the really high salaries, your 300, 400, 500,000. Yeah. But that's also not everyone. That's a, yeah. that's a select few. Um, but, you know, you can't just rely on that. Like, a, you, yeah. you know, life is also about choices, so... Tradies do make a surprisingly... I remember I dated someone and I found out... And I'd never dated... The first tradie I ever dated for, like, a few weeks. And uh, he was a builder. And <laughs> this is so judgmental. I was a bit younger. But I was like, oh, he's a builder. So I paid for everything. I was really, like, sugar mummering him, thinking, okay, ah. I'm, I'm the breadwinner. And then, yeah, anyway, he was like... Yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, I earned 160k last year because he works overtime so much and i was like what the hang on a second <laughs> pay for wow. dinner for what? you pay for dinner yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that i gave this man so much money <laughs> literally <laughs> i was saying i was like literally like giving him pocket money because i thought he was struggling but uh, yeah okay that is that is kind of oh you're I got oh, played. poor builder oh i'll pay for you <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 the North Shore coming out. That was the North. That was the old. That was the young me. Okay, don't judge me. I was like twenty one. That doesn't count. No, honestly, they have less hex and they start work a lot younger and yeah, for practical skills. So yeah, there you go. That's yeah. the, the land of the where the trade is king, Australia. <laughs> a lot of injuries though. They can get. It's a lot of. It's pretty hard work. Can it be is pretty backbreaking. So yeah, um, worth the money. Uh, alrighty, uh, there's probably so much we can do on there. So that was a sort of overview of the yeah. declining fertility rates, not just in Western countries, across the world, uh, particularly pronounced in, in sort of OECD nations, developed nations. Mm. Um, 
services-based nations. There's just there's a massive drop, particularly in East Asian countries, and it just looks like it's getting worse. And there's so many factors. And let us know what you think. Mm. Is there a solution to it? Does it need a solution? And if it does, what the hell is it? Because mm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that. Alrighty. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll see you next time. See you next week.